0: Uh, Tonight, we have the pleasure of inviting Patrick O'Brien to our stage at 613. How many of you have ever met Patrick O'Brien or Mindy Mindy Latour before? These are some of the all-time greats. I grew up here in Castro Valley. I'll let Patrick explain to you how they met, because it involves this very place, uh, a long time ago, and they have had a really cool journey. Like I said, Patrick finished his Ph.D. in New Testament at Golden Gate. Mandy's got her Ph.D. in musicology from UCLA. He served as a, as a pastor for a while here in the States, and now he's working in industry in Paris, France, and serves at a church called Hillsong there in Paris. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 613 stage, Patrick O'Brien. Can I steal this? Oh, I'm sorry. No worries. I am thrilled to be with you tonight. Danny, thank you for uh, the invitation uh, to join you. It's great to be back in Castro Valley to see... uh, My family. My family lives here in Castro Valley. My in-laws live in Hayward and are part of this church. And so there are a lot of roots that go way back. Um, As Danny said, my wife and I are living in Paris, France. We've been there for a little over two years. Uh, When we first moved there, I spoke zero French, Uh, and I would try to get my wife to do all the hard work of talking on the phone in French and. Then she would send me to the store to find something, and I had to just look at pictures and hope I could figure out if I was bringing the right ingredient home for dinner. Uh, and we had a few surprises. Um, <laughs> we've managed, though. Uh, now I, I can kind of get around a little bit. Every once in a while, I'll have a, a sweet little old lady in the line behind me at the grocery store. will tell me what a sweet, charming accent I have. Um, and that always, you know, does me good, and, and then the next day I go to work, and my buddies remind me that I talk like they're, t- they're toddlers, and uh, <laughs> the jury's still out on on where things stand as far as communication goes, um, but uh, as, as Danny said, my wife is working on her PhD in musicology through UCLA. She is Nearing the finish line, this June will be the finish line, and uh, she's looking at 16th century uh, French music. So if you have a few minutes to spare me, an extra 45 minutes, you can talk with her after the service. <laughs> <laughs> she would be happy to tell you all about it. Um, quite, uh, quite interesting. But the cool thing is our story um, goes back to, uh, to neighborhood. Uh, we met... Uh, just out of high school in one of the summer musicals here at Neighborhood Church. Uh, yeah, seven brides for seven brothers. We were cast opposite each other, had to act like we liked each other. I saw an opportunity and I uh, and was like, yeah. So I was like, let's get together for some extra dance rehearsals. We can work on our lines. Totally fooled her because now, 17 years later, I've never done another musical. I know, sad, sad day, but we're, we're, we're getting by. Um, so if you don't mind, I want to share with you a little bit of my journey, a little bit of my story. Um, as, as Danny was saying, um, I spent some years uh, working in the church as a pastor, uh, also doing a PhD, and, and then kind of as I was navigating all the different aspects of life of mindy going back to do a phd and meaning to do adjunct teaching at a university and kind of moving and finding the the ideal place for for mindy and i to to win together Um, i I stepped out of that role in the church uh, at that time but i still needed to to make a little bit of money and so i ended up getting a job uh selling clothes doing retail and apparently I was convincing enough uh, and began to, to grow and, and change and suddenly I found myself working in the luxury retail industry and then I was having a, a face-to-face conversation with this, uh, the senior vice president for one of the top 10 luxury brands in the world and uh, was interviewing for a job in, in LA to be the assistant manager of a store and I, I don't know what uh, possessed me uh, at that time but I said, hey, I know that I'm interviewing for this job here in Santa Monica, but in two years, I'd like to be in Paris. What does that look like? And uh, God had his hand on that. Uh, he didn't laugh me out of the interview, but he gave me the job. And, uh, and then a couple years later, after having proved myself, uh, the doors opened, and Mindy and I made the transition to Paris. And, uh, and I started working at um, the flagship store for the company there. So... Um, but as I was moving through the spaces from being a pastor to stepping into the retail industry, um, I was, I was so excited because I was going to get to put into practice all these theoretical ideas I had about what it looked like to, to have deep spiritual conversations with people that were far from God. And man, I was eager if a red shirt, the blood of Jesus. Let's pray the sinner's prayer. Here we go. Um, and, and, and I found that, that some of my conversations uh, were not as effective as I had hoped or imagined. And, uh, and, and were sometimes awkward uh, because, you know, after the, those awkward moments, I still had to, to work with uh, my colleagues. And uh, you know, it's kind of like when, when you're driving down the road and, and, and you see the car next to you and you want to be in that lane and you're like, well, if you don't make an opening, I'm just going to move right in and we're going to have this conversation whether you're ready or not. Um, or, or maybe like when you receive a call from a telemarketer during dinner and, and you know what I mean, none of you, neither of you is ready to have that conversation you would rather be having a root canal because at least your, your tooth would feel better. And the telemarketer is like the hundredth billionth time that she's giving her pitch and it's just like her boss is over her shoulder, she hasn't met her quota, and it's just like we're gonna have this conversation whether you want to or not. And we're gonna just fabricate out of thin air a relationship, any details you give me on your life, I'm gonna use to like sell you my product. And, uh, and, and I started getting the sense that in some sense I was kind of that telemarketer in my workplace for Jesus. It was like, okay, we're going to have this conversation. And, um, and I begin to slowly realize maybe that was not the ideal way. Maybe that was not the best way. And so I was looking at how do we begin to think about how we have deep spiritual conversations with people in a way that engages them, in a way that Allows us both to go on a journey of discovery and discovering new aspects of who God is and what God might have for our lives. So, I'm trying to find my place here, if you don't mind. Um, so, because we have this tension, obviously Jesus said, Go and make disciples. So, then what does it look like for us to be intentional? about going and making disciples in this world? How do we find the right place and the right time to have those conversations? So I believe that that Paul would be helpful for us. Uh, 1 Timothy, uh, not 1 Timothy, 1 Thessalonians chapter two. If you have your your Bibles or your iPhone or smartphone, and app with you, you can pull out and follow along with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter two and we're going to begin in verse 5 For we never came with words of flattery as you know nor with pretext for greed God is our witness nor did we seek glory from people whether from you or from others though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God but also our own selves as well because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. If you don't mind, I want to take this passage in reverse. Sometimes I think we can fly through a text so quickly, we miss the essence. But if we start at the end and work our way back, maybe we can pick up some new insights that would help us in our journey um, as we look at how we go on journey a spiritual journey with other people. And so the first thing I would suggest to you is that if you really want to create space, for deep spiritual conversations with people that are far from God, then we must stop demanding the right to be heard and must create and earn the privilege to share our story. Look at what Paul says. He says, I worked night and day. It was not something where he, he was just like, hey, I'm here, let's have this conversation. No. I mean, when you go to work, there is plenty to do in the hours that you're on the clock. There are deadlines to meet, there are customers to satisfy, there are projects to finish, and your boss has hired you to do a job. And I would suggest to you that the most convincing witness you would have as a follower of Christ is to be excellent at what you do. Because what I've found is that if people don't respect you, and seek your advice for professional things that pertain to the workplace, they are even less likely to trust you with conversations that are personal and spiritual. And if we want to have those moments, those opportunities to have deep spiritual conversations, then we need to begin by actually living out our Christian ethic of excellence in the workplace. And as we begin to to succeed at what we do, that is going to open the door for those conversations to happen. And and when I say succeed at what we do, that doesn't always mean that we're gonna climb the corporate ladder, but rather um, your success is not the position that you hold or the salary that you earn, but rather the wholeness and healthiness of life that you have in, in every area, both in the workplace and at home. Because if you... Live your life in such a way that people see you as someone that has basically got it together. They want to know that secret. Because reality is we live in a broken world. Relationships break down. Problems plague us left and right. So what does it look like to process through life when it seems to be falling apart? And how do we keep moving forward and keep being consistent um, with accomplishing what God has put in our space to accomplish. Um, nine months after um, I started there in Paris, uh, I got a new boss, and, and he and I clicked, and I kind of helped, gave him, helped give him a little bit of an induction to the company because I had already been there for uh, four years and so knew a little bit of things. He was coming from, a nut, from another brand, and, and he and I began to hit it off, and, uh, and he began trusting me with different responsibility and giving me a few more things. Um, and then one day, it was a couple months after he had started, we said, hey, let's, let's get together after work. Let's go grab a drink and, and just chat. And so we started with talking about work. But then four hours later, I was amazed that we were sitting there having a conversation about... Marriage, family, faith. What does it look like to keep hope when the world around us is, is crying out for help when tragedy strikes? How do we, how do we move forward together? And, and, and I found that here was my boss. Here was someone that was further ahead in his career than me. And yet, by the way, I had consistently lived out in my life in the workplace, it opened the door to have a conversation that otherwise would have not been possible. If I had started the conversation with the whole, hey, here's a red shirt, let's go to the cross right now, uh, the, the conversation would have been over. But as you begin to be consistent, as you begin to earn the privilege to share your story, it will transform the way that conversations take place around you. So what would it look like if we became the kind of people that said, I'm not trying to do my church thing on my boss's job, but I'm, gonna, uh, I'm not going to try to do the church thing on my boss's time. Rather, I'm going to live out the ethic that Christ has called me to live out, infused into the way that I do my work. And as I do that, that begins to open the door and unfold And create the space for conversation to happen that otherwise wouldn't be there. And as you do this, the the second thing that I think is, is key and core and essential that we see here in Paul's life is that in order to create space for deep spiritual conversation, it requires that you be generous with your life. It sounds really simple and yet it is more complex than we might imagine it's not being generous with our employers time it's not taking advantage of those moments when I can do that little task that hey it won't matter if I if I go ahead and get this done because no one's around no, this is you taking and investing the most precious commodity that you have, which is your time. Because once it's spent, you will never get it back. When you begin to take and invest your life and be generous with your life with those around you, people will take notice. Because when you start giving away something that's free, people are going, oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure I want to take that. But when it costs you something, People are like, okay, wait a minute. Why are you being so generous? Why are you giving away something that nobody else is giving away? And, and this looks like inviting people to share in your story, to st- share in your journey, um, to say, hey, after work, let's go grab dinner. Let's grab a coffee. Let's, let's go get a mani-pedi. Let's go whatever it is, whatever. Not me. <laughs> I I know. It would look good. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Whatever it is for you, what does it look like for you to begin to connect with the people around you and invite them to share your life? There's not really a shortcut to building a relationship in this regard. Building a relationship with other people takes time. And it means that we have to maybe rearrange the priorities that we have going on in our life. It may mean that we need to cut out a few things. It may mean that we need a TiVo, that show, or TiVo's old now. What is it now? I don't know. Uh, DVR, that show, or just watch it later, or, or just maybe it's not that important. What does it look like to rearrange the priorities in our life so that we have time to build relationships with other people. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I found myself early on struggling with this as I stepped into the retail world because I was, I was a friendly guy, but there was this sense in which I had something else that I was trying to kind of push on people and that kind of created a little bit of dissonance in the relationship and people were kind of like, oh, we'll just kind of keep you at arm's distance. You're a good guy to work with, but not the guy we want to hang out with on our own time. And so I had to begin to think about what does it look like for me to become the kind of person, the kind of friend that people would want to spend time with? Because as we do that, as you begin to share your your life, then those conversations can come because those deep conversations are not going to come the first time you meet someone, you're not ready to, to dive deep and, 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 and open up the hurts and the pain or the struggles and the doubts and the questions. But as you begin to have those little conversations, as you begin to consistently spend time together, as you begin to actually be a friend to the people around you, rather than just trying to save their soul, then those conversations begin to unwrap little by little, and you can talk about what's going on in your life, and as you begin to share what's going on in your story, it creates the space for them to share what's going on in their story, because what, and and being generous is not just the time that it takes, but also with the kinds of things that you're sharing with them. And I I think I've kind of touched on this a little bit, but as we think about having these kinds of conversations, I found it really helpful to think about life as a journey, to think about people's spiritual, spiritual journey, or think about people's spiritual life as a journey toward discovering God. It's not just a one, two, three step, here's the problem, here's the solution, pray this prayer, it's all good. But rather, even from your own experience, you would see that there are times when things seem to make sense, and then you find yourself struggling and wrestling with questions, and and maybe doubts begin to plague you, And, and there's this sense in which you have to go on a journey, And you never know where you are encountering someone on their spiritual journey. And so maybe a good question to ask is, what does it look like to help someone take just the next step on their spiritual journey? Don't try to to define what that looks like in the future. Don't try to fix all the problems that are there. But simply, just what is the next step for you? Uh, I was having lunch the other day with uh, a friend of mine who... Uh, has just been voted in as the lifestyle medicine representative for the European Union. Prior to that, he had been on the cover of GQ magazine as a sports medicine doctor uh, in Europe. And uh, when I first met him, we met at a coffee shop, and that was kind of our common interest was having a coffee, and we just began striking up conversation. And, uh, And I found that Uh, laced in all of his conversation was a bit of this disdain for for God and for religion. And my tendency in the past has been to, hey, we got to address that. we got to respond to that. Let me explain why that's not such a big deal. But as I've gone on this journey of discovering what it means to create space for conversation, I realized that being defensive, being... Uh, or taking offense at those kinds of things was not going to create the conversations that I was hoping to have with him. Uh, and, and not so much that it was an agenda because it was not that he was a project. We had just met over coffee and just began having a conversation. And, uh, and slowly, little by little, our friendship began to, to grow and he began sharing with me a, a book that had helped inform his worldview and kind of shaped um, how he viewed um, the world and how it functioned and he was like hey I, w- I would love for you to read this and so again I, I took time and I read through that book and then we were able to have conversations about that and uh, uh, you know not long ago uh, a couple, just a couple weeks ago we were sitting having lunch in, in the Latin Quarter of Paris and, and I was amazed to see that here we were talking about God and talking about how we find hope in a world that is tearing itself apart. And, uh, and you know, it, he's, he's still on a journey of discovering what it looks like to find hope and to find God. But one of the things I found is that my journey has been augmented and bettered by the conversations I've had with him. I have grown through having those conversations with him. And my journey and understanding of who God has... Um, has gotten better and so we have to remember that as we share our life it's it's a two-way street this is not just hey i'm gonna invite you over to my house and then ha ha tricked you (laughs) this is this is the gospel presentation (laughs) but but rather a hey i'm gonna invite you into my life and i'm gonna listen to your story and i'm gonna share my story and together we're gonna ask questions together we're gonna see what it means um to discover purpose and meaning and hope and life and beauty. Um, you know, Paul makes the analogy that, that um, he was like a nursing mother with the people there at Thessalonica. And, and it's, it's an interesting analogy to think about this idea of, uh, of moms with their infants. Um, because they understand the idea that there's a progression of development in a baby's life. I mean, how many of you have asked a mom how old their child is, and they're like, and they they never say, oh, year and a half. What do they say? 17 months, and in four days, they're going to be 18 months old. Like, why? It's like, that's a year and a half. But moms understand that until a baby hits 18 months old, they're only in the stage of development of a 17-month-old. And, and now I'm not saying you take this analogy and go tell your friends that you view them as a baby, um, but rather understanding this idea that, that life is this journey. Life is a, 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 pr- a progression of steps and discovery. And, and what does it look like if we step into relationship with people, with patience, with understanding that we're both gonna grow and we're both gonna become better as we share life together, as we seek to discover God along the way. So if we truly want to have influence in our spheres of life in your workplace, then it's going to mean that you have to share your life, that you have to give away out of your own time to connect with people. Um, And you're going to have to be intentional about this. The last thing that I would point out that we see here in verses five and six is that to create the space for deep spiritual conversation, it requires that we love authentically. I know that sometimes this word authentic gets a little bit overused. We kind of use it for everything. We're always looking for the next authentic thing. Um, but I think it can, it can still be informative and helpful for us. I was uh, reading a study recently by the Barner Group called Unchristian, and it looked at uh, 21st century American perceptions of Christianity. And there was this, this sense that after people encountered Christians um, in the workplace or just in life, they, they found that, that Christians seemed to be manipulative and inauthentic. And can I just be honest as a safe space? I have to say that early on when, when I was seeing people in the workplace, um, I found myself wanting people to meet Jesus not because I really cared about who they were or not because I saw them as a future brother or sister in Christ but simply because I wanted Jesus to fix their life so that work would be a better place. I was tired of having to deal with all their junk it was like, God, can you just please save them and fix them? <laughs> it, it strikes close to home. But if we're actually going to have true, deep, authentic conversations with people, then it means we have to lay aside the pretense. We have to lay aside the ulterior motives. And, and it's not about trying to get people on board with our agenda or trying to get people to buy into what we have, but rather we... We step into life with them, and we begin to to allow them to see the things that we're working through, the things that we're processing. Um. My wife had had this experience um, in in her journey. There were, there was a, there was a moment in time when when she was beginning to kind of wrestle through some of the unasked questions having grown up in the church just you kind of accept things and there are a lot of assumptions about things and and she began to to wrestle with and ask questions and have doubts and and kind of reached this point where um she found herself in a, in a in a place that was that was filled with people that were that were really far from god that you know many of us would you know see is 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 very difficult place to be a christian and And at that point, she was just like, I I don't even want to talk about God. It's like, I have all these questions. I'm uncertain about all these kinds of things that I, I don't know what it means to go and try to share Christ with people. But the amazing thing was, was that in that moment, as she began to just be real about the things that were going on in her own journey, People were coming out of the woodworks to have conversations with her. They wanted to know, hey, what do you think about this? And and honestly, she was like, I don't know. Like, I'm confused on this right now. I see the discrepancy in that, and I'm not convinced that this is the right way. But the the crazy thing was is that that made her so much more relatable for people who are struggling with those questions and for people that were trying to find God and I, I think sometimes, um, I, I know for me, having grown up in the church, it's, it's kind of like, I've got the answer, I've got it together, and, and, and it can kind of give a little bit of arrogance of, hey, let me tell you how to fix your life. And, and it makes, it made me a little bit unrelatable. But when I begin to kind of step out of that and, and, and even learn from, from Mindy's story and going, all right, yeah, let, let me... Let me actually listen to what people are saying, to what people have experienced in the church or what people have experienced because they thought the church was doing one thing or another. Um, We can become much more relatable when we begin to step into a new kind of authenticity, a new kind of relatability where we are sharing our our stories, sharing our struggles, sharing our doubts, And then together, moving through that to find answers. You see, I I truly believe that the human soul is designed for community and is longing to connect to something greater than itself, to God. And if we can become the kind of people that say, hey, this is a safe place to have community. This is a safe place to journey together. We will find that God will show up in the most surprising ways and we will find that we begin to be part of giving a new perception about who the church is. That God has invited us to be creators with him to say, this is what church can look like for the next generation, that there's hope, that there's beauty, there's love, there's truth. And, and when people have said, hey, I'm not sure I want that because I've seen how the church has treated people that, that normally are, are, are supposed to be held at arm's distance or, or we look back at history and see atrocities that have been na- done in the name of Christ. What does it look like if we say, hey, I will, I will step in and I will take ownership and I will become the voice of reconciliation for the church. I will say, hey, you know what? Yeah, we some things have, have been done. Some things have occurred that are not pretty, that are not beautiful, that have caused pain, that have caused hurt. But this is what Christ offers. This is what has changed my world. This is what has changed for me, and this is how I found healing, and this is how we can move forward. You know, let's be students of the past and realist about the present so that we can then dream about the kind of future that we can create as a church together because the world is looking for God. Whether they they may not know it, they may not know how to, to, to frame it that way, but the soul is looking for a place to connect, for a place to belong, for connection with its creator. And so if we are going to be the kind of people that create space for deep spiritual conversation, then that means that we are going to have to stop demanding the right to be heard and start earning the privilege to share our story. That means that we're going to have to be generous with our life, and that means we're gonna have to learn how to love authentically so can I give you some homework I know you didn't come prepared for homework but I'm going to give it to you anyway between now and Christmas can I ask you to invite one of your coworkers or one of your friends who's far from God to just connect life on life it doesn't have to have any other agenda to it you don't have to try to go through the four spiritual laws or share the gospel, but just simply say, hey, let's go grab dinner. Let's let's go watch a football game. Let's watch whatever sporting event is happening. Um, you find the thing that's going to be that relatable connective piece for you with your friend. And I realize this season is super busy. We've got all, all the events of the holidays in preparation and preparation, and it's just kind of crazy, but but I have faith that you can find one hour over the next month to connect to someone and begin to be a friend in a new way. And you know what? Maybe people are going to say no at first, but that's okay. You can, you can handle a little bit of rejection. This is a growing process. This is you becoming someone new. This is you beginning to say, hey, I'm going to start approaching life and people a little bit differently. And... Um, this is going to cost you time. It may cost you money. You may have to budget to be able to go to dinner. Uh, I I don't know where things stand for you, but begin thinking about how do I put priorities in place so that I can connect to people around me? Because as I do that, that's going to create that space. So would you join me in becoming the kind of people who are generous with our lives in order to create space for those deep spiritual conversations so that people who are far from God can continue or begin their journey in discovering who God is. Would you pray with me?